Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And my goodness, I, I think we're going to have a, a great conversation today, and I'm, I'm glad you're here with me. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Jim Mitchell, and uh, you know I always look forward to these conversations. I certainly find them informative and helpful, um, but I always uh, appreciate when we get into a new topic, and I often find myself kind of stepping back because you see the the topic uh, that we're going to be looking at, and you say, "Oh, I'm familiar with that," but then you realize you might not be quite as much as perhaps we all thought we were. So. Today's our chance to, to kind of drill down a little bit. We're going to talk about small claims court and uh, guiding us through the intricacies of this specific element of the law will be Heidi Schuster. Heidi joins us from Lavelle Law Limited, where she is part of the litigation practice group. And there's a lot to cover, uh, a lot of interesting information here, so we're going to get to it right away. So first of all, Heidi, thanks for taking the time today in the middle of the day. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Jim. Excited to be here. Now, I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we've, we've probably all heard of small claims court. And, you know, by virtue of that, think, you know, we probably know what it's all about. But, but really, most of us haven't had any personal experience there. So tell us a little bit, first of all, about the purpose of small claims court. What is it all set up to, to handle? Sure. And maybe, thankfully, we all haven't all been here. <laughs> so um, <laughs> small, claims, small claims court is um, for those who are seeking uh, usually a lesser amount of damages. So um, each county kind of has a different dollar amount that they place on it. But in Cook County, it's for claims uh, $10,000 or less. Okay. This and usually you know, this, consists... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, this usually consists of... Um, you know, maybe maybe something happened where you you know hired um, uh, someone to do some services on your house, and you're not happy with you know what happened, and it wasn't what you you know had signed up for according to the contract. So you know it could be people that you know are, are damaged by thousands of dollars, but it's not you know enough to get past that threshold of the ten. So still still enough though to to want to litigate it. Okay, and you know again ten depending upon your perspective can can be. A large amount, but but still small enough to, to require its placement here. Um, you, you mentioned uh, you gave an example there of maybe having some work done. Can you can you just share maybe from your experience a few different examples of the types of cases that that end up in a small claims court? Sure. Um, most of the ones that I have dealt with have have been um, just those, uh, which are mm-hmm. uh, bre- breaches of contract uh, for the most part, and um, it's. Most of mine too have have had to do with um, household services. So, um, and again, you know, when you're signing up for something that's you know six, maybe six thousand, seven thousand dollars, you know, worth of work done in your house, it's not something that you know you easily want to. Oh, that's okay, no big deal. You, you know, you want to have some kind of remedy. So, oftentimes, turning to small claims court is the best you know resolution for those people. Mm-hmm. And as you handle a case like this, because the dollar amount that the uh, person is seeking might not be as significant, um, would an attorney generally bill the same way that they would for other types of litigation, or is it handled differently knowing that the outcome is is not going to be that large one way or the other? 
Sure. Um, sometimes in most litigation, uh, we do bill on an hourly rate, but sometimes when it comes to a small claims court, it just makes more sense, especially if you're dealing with a smaller claim and um, the client you know, really wants to be able to you know, get their money back in, the, in this amount, mm-hmm. um, but they also want an attorney involved. So sometimes we will do, uh, do these cases on a flat fee basis um, just so the client can at least, you know, rest assured, okay, I'm putting this much up towards my, um, you know, the, in this defense or in this, um, uh, in this lawsuit, and, and I know at least that I'm not going to be spending everything I could possibly recoup on the attorney. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, we call it small claims court. I'm assuming that this is a specific section of, of the county uh, court where uh, the courtrooms are set aside for this and the judges handle just these kinds of cases, so it's it's fairly routine. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, um they they do and um you know, and we'll get into I guess some of some of the different procedures with it, but um it it is fairly routine. Um it's it, there's a lot more of um there's a lot more of a caseload in there uh because you know people people can file these these left and right and you don't even you don't have to have an attorney as as in all cases of course you don't have to have an attorney but um in these smaller ones oftentimes uh people you know do choose to represent themselves because they want to save on the costs and they don't want to pay you know an, an attorney to uh litigate on their behalf all right, so let's. You, you mentioned procedures, and, and I certainly want to get into the process here a little bit. Um, and certainly, I've got a, a few questions I want to get to. But let's let's start at the beginning. In, in terms of just how a case gets handled uh, within a courtroom, um, is a small claims case handled you know, significantly different in any way? Yeah, so from the from the get-go, um you you know would normally file a complaint and that's the same here um where you know and the service is also the same. The where it starts to become um a little bit different is the uh the first court date that um that is up. You will appear in front of the judge and uh he or she will ask you uh whether or not you would like to file an answer. They'll ask the defendant that. Um and usually you would be required to file an answer in any other um in any other court besides small claims and here you are not required to uh file an answer and uh you do have to still file an appearance but everything else is just if you do not file an answer it's all deemed uh denied and you just get to pursue right from then and there so that's it no no answer is going to be on file and they do this just to expedite the process they just want to get to the trial so anything they can do to expedite the process is done in small claims. And that, that's a good point. I want to mention that, too, in terms of, uh, you said, trying to expedite this. Would, um, would the, Despite the number of cases that are in small claims court, would these cases get handled more expeditiously than larger cases would in the time it takes them to work their way through the system? Yes, absolutely. And a big part of that, um, despite from you know minimizing the pleadings requirement that we just talked about, uh, they also minimize the discovery uh, process. And by minimize, I mean it's it's non-existent. Um, there's no exchanging. Usually, <laughs> usually in um, in lawsuits, there's an exchange of uh, documents, um, you know, both written uh, discovery and oral discovery. And uh, neither one of those exists in small claims. You can ask the judge for permission uh, to do so, but usually they will. Uh, deny that since 
they you know believe it's kind of a waste of time and 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 money and that you should just get to the merits of the case so that's something that is is also very different and um, completely expedites the process so you're literally walking in that first day and getting your uh, trial date so as long as you know you're, you're not going to be filing any kind of answer uh, the judge will just, you know, look at you and say, okay, go ahead and schedule a, a trial date, and that's when you're next uh, back in court. Well, well we're, we're getting uh, quite an education on Chicago's legal latte today. Um, you know, I'd call this Small Claims 101, but but that title uh, was already taken by a recent article that Heidi Schuster wrote. You can find that at lavellelaw.com. And if you look under the Resources tab, you'll find that article and, and a number of others from various attorneys. Um, you'll also, if you have the time, can find all of our past podcasts there covering a lot of different topics, some very high level. Um, some are quite specific and detailed, and others um, just kind of take you through an overview. Today we're, we're getting some detail here, uh, but I encourage you to, to visit lavellelaw.com for articles, podcasts, and, and just a lot of information uh, on different topics. Uh, now, Heidi, you mentioned discovery here, and I really want to talk about that process. You know, it sounds to me as an attorney, um, there's a lot more burden on you because you, you don't have all the time ahead of the, the, the court appearance to, to learn a lot about. Are you really just kind of finding this all out as you get into court and, and managing it as you go um, during, the, during the trial itself? That is a great question. Um, and I would say that a lot of it you are preparing for prior to, and that's that's the facts and circumstances that you know from your client. So there's a lot of preparation just as in any kind of uh, courtroom where beforehand you know, you're going through um, and preparing your direct examination questions, and then you're um, also preparing possible cross, but you can't really prepare everything until you're actually at court and you hear what um, what the witness has, has said. But again, you get to prepare a lot from what your client, but it, the, the um, downside is that you do not know um, who is being brought, witness, witnesses that are being brought, and you do not know um, what the other side is, is is bringing to the table really until you get there. So part of it, yes, you're you know you're already preparing um, a ton with what your client has provided you, and the other part, you're really just kind of listening and kind of on the spot in the courtroom. Now, what can a client do to increase their likelihood of success? I mean, obviously, um, as you just have described to us, it's a different process and and certainly not as much opportunity to be fully prepared. You're relying on them. What what should they do to make you more prepared to go and support them? Sure, that's a great question. Um, they should disclose any anything, anything and everything. Um, I want to say relevant, but you know that again, that's a term that um, anything and everything pertaining to their case, um, because I think what happens lots of times is that uh, the client will think that they understand. You know, this is relevant to my case, or um, this is something that I think is important. But they leave out maybe some small details that actually might be very, uh, very much so legally relevant or legally important uh, to their case, and would greatly help me prepare. So I think it's just kind of disclosing anything and everything uh, pertaining to the facts and circumstances that happened, you know, during that project or on that day. And I think always that more information is better, and I can sift out, you know, the the relevant information from that. And with these cases generally have witnesses that are called, or, or is it just primarily the you know, plaintiff and defendant that uh, are questioned? Um, no, there can be witnesses. And 
um, at the at that first court date, uh, the one and only prior to trial, the judge will ask uh, the uh, the quantity of witnesses uh, that are expected. But at that time, the witnesses are not actually disclosed. So again, the element of surprise there. And if if you have, uh, you know, if you talk to your client about who was involved in all of these, you know, transactions or in this project, and who could they possibly call? Um, it's very helpful, but it's that's something that is uh, is very different in small claims because usually you're disclosing those witnesses well in advance, and you can kind of prepare, you know, questioning for for them and have an understanding of what that witness might bring in. So it's that's a very uh, something that's very different, and it's more like what uh, I like to describe, like more like what you see on on TV, where you know somebody walks into the courtroom and you had no idea um, <laughs> they were but hopefully that's never the case but <laughs> you, you've got to be prepared I suppose for anything that's and right I, guess that's I, should, right. I should have asked this right at the beginning now uh, is, is there a jury involved or is it just strictly the judge that makes the decisions on these cases um, just a bench trial. It's just the judge uh, in, involved in these cases, and um, they, that, I'm sure that also expedites um, the process as well. So, now do they say? And we've got about a minute or so left here. But, but you know, going with this picture that you painted in terms of discovery and the, and the witnesses, and, and just having a judge and, and very little uh, of the preparation uh, that would normally go into it. Um, do judges, I don't want to say behave differently, but do they allow more uh, in terms of what you're doing? Are they more involved in the trial? And, and do they approach it differently than they would in, in larger cases? You know, in my experience, Jim, I think they do. And uh, part of it, you know, it depends on if there's two attorneys, even if there are two attorneys, uh, one attorney representing the plaintiff and one the defendant, uh, the judge, again, you know, wants to see things moving along. So, of course, objections are allowed, um, but usually they're not really used by either of the attorneys that much, um, just in the in the spirit of the small claims court and moving things along. Uh, so, unless it's unless it's something that you know really needs to be objected to or really needs um, to be noted, it, it, everything is about being uh, being smart with your time and, and moving things along. So, I think the judges are a little bit more laid back in that regard. Well, and being smart with our time and keeping things moving along is what we need to do as well. And unfortunately, our time with uh, Heidi Schuster is up for today. I certainly want to thank her for being here. Very informative, very helpful. And as always, uh, look forward to input from the folks at Lavelle Law Limited. Um, we're back each week with additional podcasts and certainly look forward to sharing more information and more detailed topics with you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 